thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate that. And these questions are going to be a little bit repetitive just because it's the first official one I can use. So heads up on that. So I want to start off by asking you about your adoptive family and what it was like growing up. So can you tell me a bit about like your family makeup? Um, in your previous interview, you mentioned your parents growing up in Minnesota and your and your brother growing up as well. Yeah. Yep. So there was four of us total, including me. Mm -hmm. My brother is four years younger than me. And growing up, um, we were living in the suburbs. Well, they still do live in the suburbs. We were pretty spoiled. <laughs> we got pretty much everything we wanted. And it, it's interesting because, you know, I think the families, you know, they try to keep, it was kind of the mentality of keeping up with the Joneses and your next door neighbors, like making sure that your grass is just as green, if not greener um, kind mm -hmm. of mentality. It's like, sometimes I watch these TV shows and they're talking about the suburbs or they have heavy uh, accents of Minnesota or Canadians. And I'm like, well, I could totally relate. So it's definitely interesting. But so yeah, there is the four of us. Was there anything like specific you wanted me to go over? Yeah, no worries. Um, sorry, so your parents, were your were your parents, um, I know they come from a white background. Were they kind of older by the time they adopted you? Yeah, I think my mom, she was, I wanna say in her late 30s. Mm -hmm. Um, she tried to have babies for at least I want to say 10 years prior I know they had just been trying really hard and then then the opportunity came up I'm not really sure how the opportunity came up I guess I never really asked like but they did find like an adoption agency in Minnesota that mm. they went through and uh, they met other adoptees uh, or people kind of potentially adopting too uh -huh. and they went down to Peru with I want to say it was three other families who were also adopting from Peru at the time mm -hmm. and they Four years later, they had Michael, and it was interesting because I think uh, my mom was supposed to have some procedure. She has this thing where I forgot what it was called, but it has some kind of, uh, it has to do with like your uterus and scar tissue and things building up. It's very mm. painful. So I think she was going to have a hysterectomy mm -hmm. or some kind of surgery to kind of say okay you can't really have babies in the future to kind of like help her for the time being mm -hmm. I think it was a, a day or two before surgery she just took a pregnancy test and out of the blue um she had known like okay that's it like but for some reason she took a pregnancy test and she was pregnant and so they obviously held off on surgery and yeah, yeah then Michael came along and uh the rest I guess is kind of history I mean we grew up it's interesting because we grew up kind of um, side by side. Mm -hmm. We never, I mean, we weren't really like that close. I feel like mm. but, um, he was very different than I was. Um, he had like a lot of friends. He was good at sports, at everything he did. He never had to study for class or anything. And it just drove me nuts because I was going to like Huntington Learning Center as a kid. Uh, it was a place to kind of just help you or guide you and help you, I guess, get through school. My problem was like math. They had tested me for if it was possible if I was dyslexic, which is maybe another thing to look into as well for uh, adoptees for kind of like learning disorders, possibly, because when I met a bunch of adoptees at what I think it was 13, a lot of people were dealing with the same thing, such as having a hard time reading or understanding math or uh, attention deficit disorders 
yeah so that was that always was interesting to me and I looked into that when I was younger because I was like there has to be some kind of weird correlation if we're all struggling with school if it's a weird mentality or if it's somehow grown into us like I have no idea how any of that worked but it was always a really big interest to me once I found out a lot of other adoptees was close with just having the same problems I was yeah that's really interesting um yeah and the research on learning disabilities is rather slim so imagine not knowing much on the disability itself and then not knowing anything on this one subpopulation it's kind of insane so yeah we definitely need more research on it definitely it'd be interesting to see what that would turn out it would (laughs) uh so in regards to your brother you said his name is michael so you said he um that you guys were not very close when you were growing up but did that change at different like states of your life were there different points where you felt closer farther apart yeah i think um I think I always kind of saw him as like this golden miracle child mm. and just kind of there like existing. I I had a lot of behavioral problems. Uh, <laughs> maybe not as much as Sam. When we talk about it, it's funny. He's like, oh, that's not bad. I just, I was very angry and I didn't know how to really talk about my emotions at all. And I would just do what I saw, I suppose. Mm. So my dad, um, had a lot of anger when he was younger well mm. there's a lot of holes in the walls there's a lot of broken furniture and things like that so I guess that's kind of what I was mimicking to get attention mm. I think he had a lot of eyes on him because he was always involved in things such as sports um and so I, I mean I was too but he was like the star athlete pretty much for everything like he was really good at everything he touched and I think uh that was kind of frustrating because I felt like I was really never good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I did, it wasn't, um, which is weird because that kind of projects until now, um, up to now. So recently, like I chopped off all my hair. I was very nervous for my mom. And I was thinking like, oh, she's going to be like, why would you do that? Because I've always kind of joked about it. And she said, no, 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 you have like long, beautiful hair. It was down to my waist. And I just, I don't even know. I just kind of come to this realization that everything is so controlled, not even by anybody. It was just in my head, you know, maybe the, uh, I didn't get enough attention. Maybe that was in my head. Maybe, I, I mean, I feel like I did get enough attention. I think it was just um, an internal uh, thought that maybe I was battling maybe because physically they were there um, rooting him on for sports as they were for me, but maybe because he was better and I knew he was, maybe that kind of took a toll. I don't know exactly what it was, but I I was always really jealous of him, of how fast he could make friends, of how his studies seemed so much easier for him to understand things. So I think that's kind of probably where we kind of divided, I suppose. Did your parents ever try to like address those sibling issues? Um, like, did since you came, since you were adopted, did they ever like try and talk to you about that and talk about those differences between you and your brother? Or what was? Can you tell me what that was like? Yeah, I don't think they even really realized it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there was ever really. A, I mean, there might have been a conversation, and it's interesting now as I grow up and kind of go through therapy, I'm kind of getting this new sense of my childhood 
because I don't think I've uh, actually explored so many parts of it or I've really just kind of closed it all out. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just kind of coming to this crazy awakening where I'm like, oh, oh yeah, like that happened. Oh yeah, like I can't, I can't believe that. Um, it's so right now, it's kind of like coming out of this weird fog of my childhood. And I think I have this huge perception of it was like so horrible. It was so negative. I had all these horrible experiences. But yeah, I'm not sure if it was even really addressed because I don't think I even knew how to really speak about how I felt. Yeah. Yeah, it's only kind of now coming out, which I actually, when I was in Minnesota recently, I had this crazy fight with my family. It was really intense. And it was genuinely just about miscommunication. I have been taking this class every Tuesday night for three hours. Yeah, three hour class. Um, And I've been you know, in therapy and reading a lot and doing a lot of mindfulness work and kind of understanding more about who I am, who I want to surround myself with, uh, kind of my own truth, kind of coming out of this, I don't know, like I said, kind of like a, like a fog of like who I am, uh, like this kind of identity thing that I'm sure a lot of adoptees go through, but it was intense and it was the very first time in 32 years that I was actually able to express what I need, what has bothered me, uh, what I don't like. Mm-hmm. And it was so crazy because I just thought to myself, I can't believe this hasn't happened sooner. Mm-hmm. But I think this overwhelming sense of confidence kind of was instilled in me. And I was just like, oh, I can do this. Like I could do anything. And it was crazy because it it even sucks to say this but like my mom was in the corner crying and my brother was Mm -hmm. in he was crying and my dad doesn't really deal with with like conversations and like sitting down for long periods of time so he he after the situation kind of went crazy he just left and um I was sitting there and I was kind of smiling and I felt very guilty a little bit for smiling but also I felt really good because I just was like okay this is the first time I get to say like this is what Megan wants and Mm -hmm. or what Megan needs too and like when have I ever been able to express that in a sensical manner without screaming or yelling like I was taught things like that I think helped me understand my brother a little bit more because he's kind of living back in that mindset of fear negativity and like very close-minded yeah when I look at him and he's going through a lot of the problems he's dealing with now with anxiety and depression and things like that I just see like a little version of me and I just so desperately want to help him uh and we we talk but it's yeah it's like a it's one of those things it's kind of like you just have to let them jump from the nest too and just I don't know what maybe worked for me might not work for him so so it sounds like you didn't really have the tools to talk to your parents or your brother kind of about what you were feeling until fairly recently? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Literally, probably within the last month or two, have mm-hmm. I been able to actually hold conversations where we're not all screaming. Like, yeah. it's, it just gets intense where we don't even know. What, like, I step back and we're all fighting about different things. Like, we're mm-hmm. not even getting down to the root of where it started and so many times it's kind of like having to go and redirect like this is actually what we're talking about guys like why are we over here yeah Uh, 
yeah this is definitely it's very new for me to uh be able to hold a conversation with everybody without us just screaming what i'm kind of curious if you had like a magic wand and could go back in time with those communication skills what do you think like the little megan would have said like how do you think you might have acted or explored things differently i think um a lot of things came from fear because when my parents fought uh my dad would leave a lot of the time and i wouldn't know where he was or if he was going to come back or the question of divorce was always kind of looming over our heads uh, because it was the word was thrown around a lot or separation or whatever. And that was like a, a very scary thing. And so this need to be, um, this need to control kind of came from that. This mm -hmm. need to constantly like, okay, this is what we're doing at this time and, and this time and that. And then when you don't have control, it's like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I think that what I would have, going back to the question, um, what would I've wanted to communicate? Um, maybe just how I felt, um, how sad I was, how uh, incredibly uncontrolled I felt in my emotions where I wasn't sure where I should put them. Mm. I didn't know. Um, everything just came out as anger just even at the root of it I would sit with my mom and I'd have temper tantrums pretty much until I was like I don't know until I probably moved out of the house but that it wasn't as bad I remember when I was maybe 16 I would just like slam my door I'd like punch a wall I'd like scream and mm. uh, mom would come in and I would just be screaming at her and she tried to calm me down and I was just upset uh I couldn't I couldn't rationalize anything. Everything just seemed like so negative. And um, I think I just wish I could have told her how sad I was, how scared I was that um, I was scared they were gonna get a divorce and that our lives were gonna be separate, how scared I was that we were gonna have to change schools or um, just kind of this, this flux that I was fearing. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's what I would have wanted to express. Yeah, thanks for opening up about that. It's interesting because I feel like nowadays that social emotional learning of being able to name your feelings and actually communicate them in a healthy way is only now kind of becoming into acceptance and being used more often. So it's kind of interesting to see like what could have been different if we had those girls earlier. Oh yeah, and um, it's like such a, a full circle for me right now too with Maya because I'm really trying to instill these, being able to have these conversations with her um, about our feelings. And she she likes to clam up and not talk at all. Mm. And we need to talk, like we need to figure it out. And the two, the, the one thing that's helped us so much right now is like this decision, which this like, I don't know how I magically like came up with this in the moment one time, but it's helped ever since I say, mm -hmm. um, okay, so we have a problem and mm -hmm in each hand and the, it's the same problem but we can deal with it in two different ways the first way is we be brave and we address the problem we confront the problem we talk about the problem we talk about our feelings the second one we can leave the problem we don't need to talk about it we can just leave it there but it will start sprouting and roots will start growing 
and leaves will start coming up and vines will come out. And now that problem has grown. Now we're scared to talk about that problem if it ever comes up. Now we're maybe sad or maybe more negative emotions are coming from that. And then if we're sad and we're not dealing with our problems, it'll just, just keep growing. Yeah. And uh, somehow that clicked with her and it's clicked with me. So whenever we have some kind of issue that we're trying to work through, I'll say, okay, like, which one would you like to pick? Yeah, and, concrete. Yeah, it's just like, oh my God, I wish I had somebody uh, try to help me through. But yeah. me kind of trying to like work on my inner trauma and turmoil that I had as a kid is just really helping her. And that was mm -hmm. uh, my goal going to therapy because I, I never believed in it. My mom's always tried my whole life. Um, and I was just like anti that. I was like, I don't need help. I already know what's wrong. Um, like, I don't want to talk to a stranger. And so this has just been, whoa, just kind of really this along with the classes and the reading and the just everything has been really helpful for me. It sounds like you've been facing being really brave yourself because to use your <laughs> metaphor, the plant has already grown really big from your life and being brave enough to tackle it now. That's awesome. Yes, thank you. It's like I'm just like, whoa, how did I do that? But um, along with like being having a partner who's super, he always thinks like super positively for the most part. So, and he's been telling me all of these things this whole time, and I just can't grasp them. So now that I'm able to grasp them and like see them actually turn into like something beautiful, I'm just like, whoa, like, you've been trying to tell me this whole time. Like, where was I? Yeah, that. Thank you for sharing that. So growing up, it sounded like you didn't have like many resources around you to kind of explore these thoughts. Did you? Can you tell me a little bit more about like your community? Um, if you have, if you connected with like any teachers or classmates or friends or other relatives around you? Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, <laughs> see, I never thought like adoption was a bad thing until I would think I was in like third grade. And I thought it was just kind of a way of life. I, I was very accepted as a kid. I felt pretty accepted other than that weird kind of distance between me and my brother because I thought he was like, I was just jealous of him. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the weird thing happened where they said, uh, take this piece of paper home and look at your mom and dad and draw what you think you're gonna look like when you get older. And I think, I mean, that's really stuck with me my whole life. I don't think I necessarily had a, a breakdown of like anything because, uh, or like a mental breakdown of any sorts because I had uh, pictures of my birth mom and dad locked up in a, a social security deposit box from that my mom's always put these pictures in. Um, and that was always open to me to go look at if I wanted to. But um, yeah, that was just a, a weird thing. Like I can't really necessarily go home and do that. Um, I can't really see how they aged because that picture, those pictures were taken when I was a newborn. Uh, so it's a lot of weird things like that. Or kids, you know, they're like, oh, well, your mom's white and your dad's white. What does that really mean? Like, why are you brown? And then like these things get in your head and, and somebody as a kid has told me, um, why did your mom give you up? And I think that was really a loaded question for a child to understand. And that is just when this like kind of volcano kind of erupted, I think, where it's like, wait, 
now I have all these questions like why I think that's when the anger kind of started brewing um so then the first time I did see my birth mom I just wanted to like I was happy but I was like I can't believe you I can't believe you did this to me uh so yeah it was a uh, really interesting but sorry I don't even did I I don't even remember what your question was no no it was kind of like your sense of community growing up and whether like you had other people to kind of tone to but with these questions yeah okay so then um so I was able to go to my mom and ask her anything I I needed um as far as people so I said earlier that I was adopted um with a few other people but I never really got along with them at all um even to this day i don't really get along with them i don't know i just think our personalities maybe don't clash um one was a a giant bully to me um one was just more went to like a inner city school so she just knew a lot more and the other one was just kind of very standoffish and i couldn't ever really talk to him yes that was supposed to be be like the people who i was supposed to be grounded with i guess as far as adoption just was chaos and uh I went to like an adoption camp and that wasn't very fun and I mean the the idea was cool but I think as a teenage girl with people just gossiping and things um it wasn't good I never went back Hmm. I had the one there was a girl there and she was coincidentally one of the ones I was adopted with and she was just horrible and was making up lies and rumors and it was my first time at this camp so I was just like huh and then I started hearing these things about me and it was just ridiculous I was like why is this happening so yeah that was a bummer um and then when I was about 13 years old I went to back to Peru with a uh, organization called Family why am I blanking right now I believe it was called Family Ties at the time. Um, it might be like something international. Can't remember off the top of my head now, but they went, it was really nice because they had gathered multiple families together with kids around the same age. And I wanna say I was 12, 13, and they were all cultivated from all over the United States. And then we all met down in Peru and it was nice because they had a therapist there. They had a lot of other people who were um, kind of helping navigate this journey because some of us did meet our birth parents or families. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of us didn't. And then they also kind of brought us all over the country to experience certain areas and food and culture. So it was really immersive and it was really cool. So that is where I met Sam and that is where I met like a lot of other adoptees who I'm still in contact with. And that I think really grounded me from that point on. Wow, that's awesome. So I'm, um, you mentioned the adoptee camp and this organization. What do you think was like the big difference that made the, the organization where you met Sam a lot better than the camp? Like, was it the structure? Was it the way they introduced the topics? What made what would you have done differently to make the camp more successful? I think that was just, uh, I had very low confidence in myself. I think honestly, like I said, up until like a month or two ago, um, my confidence was really based on other people's opinions and their comments towards me. So if somebody said I was doing good, then I would believe it. Um, and I think that was really my downfall probably for the camp, because if I had the confidence that I'd 
do now, I think I would have gone in and just would have been a bit more, uh, a bit more confident and kind of in control of how I felt instead of just kind of letting these rumors come in and me accepting them. Mm. Like you, when somebody says, um, Megan, you, you cut your hair, now you look like a lesbian and me being well, here's a real life example. So when I cut my hair, um, Maya was like, oh, you look like a boy. Is that what you want? You want to look like a boy? And at first I was like, oh, my heart, that's not nice. Um, but then I was like, well, that's not really nice, Maya. And she's like, well, it's true. And I said, hmm, that is your opinion. And that's okay because it's not my truth. I really <laughs> like my hair. And just kind of having those little thoughts in your head, just understanding they're in, like you're taking them in, but kind of pausing and just being like, well, I'm not going to accept that. Like, I'm not going to accept somebody telling me I'm a boy. It's okay for you to say that. But in my head, I'm not, I'm not actually make agreeing to that and making it true or come true. And I think uh, that would have definitely helped me in the camp. And as far as the kind of trip I think probably what helped us is I mean they kind of they let us be for a bit they didn't as much as they structured things they also let us have free time to kind of be on our own and talk amongst ourselves and just really kind of learn I think on our own as well have these I mean it like I said it was structured but it wasn't to a point where it was just like you're not allowed to do certain things because we're trying to protect or hover you we're trying to make you feel a certain way it was the freedom to kind of explore what you needed to explore and the availability to talk about it, especially with others who are going through the exact same thing. I think in the camp, I was maybe, maybe just people hadn't really developed yet. And it was less about being adopted and it was more about having mm -hmm. boyfriends or girlfriends. And that was kind of the point. Although like a lot of relationships did develop in the, uh, the trip to Peru as well but yeah it's just so funny like looking back it's like you're 13 and we're like trying to be like in relationships can you remind me how old were you when you went to the camp versus when you went to the trip to Peru I almost like I was just thinking about that and I, I honestly I think I was what I was just thinking earlier was okay was this before but it wasn't I believe it was um I believe I was around 15 or 16 so it was about after um if I can remember correctly yeah yeah that's weird 15 for the trip to Peru oh uh, no I was 13 for the trip to Peru in the camp I believe I was about 15 or 16 it was just like oh, a okay for some reason I had switched my mind interesting 15 15. just like you asking me that I was like no I think it was definitely after Okay, that's good to know. Thank you. Um, so the camp, it sounds like, was less actually about adoption and more just kind of like the high school backdrop. Yeah, it was interesting because it was, um, and you can look it up too, it's called La Semana, and it was in Minneapolis or Minnesota. Um, but, and that just means like the week. But um, it was tiered. So there was kids, I think, like kindergarten all the way up until... I don't know I think maybe some maybe it was like 12th grade in high school and so you had um different kind of levels and everybody did certain things 
um, and it was adoption based, like you were learning about uh, different South American cultures. But it didn't really feel like I can't say I really took anything away from that camp. I met like a few friends, but I didn't mm -hmm. take it adoption wise away or had okay. like this network of people who I really like jived with, I suppose. Was it more like surface level of like cultural appreciation? Here's the food, here's the holidays or? Yeah, definitely. Like these are the musical instruments or we're going to mm -hmm. have lunch and a lunch on Wednesdays. I think every Wednesday they did, um, which was really cool. Um, I would always go back to that camp on Wednesdays because I had a friend who I met um, when I was 13. She was she went to that camp since she was younger um, and she lived in Wisconsin. So this was the time I'd go see her on Wednesdays. Mm. So that's where I kind of knew about it. And, but then yeah, after I stopped, I, I think I still uh, went on Wednesdays cause I thought it was cool to kind of, they had a marketplace. So you'd go into this cafeteria and they'd have a marketplace and they'd sell uh, different South American jewelry or backpacks and things. And they'd also mm -hmm. have like a day where that was the same day they did a lot of like South American food as well. Um, so I'd go with my mom and uh, that was really cool. I loved that. Just taking one thing out of friend. So it sounds like the camp kind of touched more on the surface level and more like just kind of learning a little bit about adoption overall, whereas the trip to Peru, you had a bit more freedom, less structure and kind of time to actually create bonds with um, your with the people in your group. Yes, absolutely. And they had a therapist in Peru too. So that's, so it seemed like they were a bit more prepared to, uh, I'm going to say handle all of your emotions, but that might be the wrong word. I think it's just perfect because I, there was a lot, there was a lot of yeah. emotions that I think none of us, I don't think you can ever really prepare for a trip back to your birth country. It's very, yeah. from the second you get there, I remember the second we landed in Peru, um, my dad was looking over at me and we were in the plane and he was just so I, I remember thinking like he must be so captivated at what I'm thinking of or what I'm looking at and I was just kind of like oh, we're here kind of thing like I kind of felt like I was supposed to have these big emotions in the beginning yeah. um they didn't really come until until I met my family but but yeah then it was it was really nice to be able to experience something super traumatic not in not necessarily in a bad way but just traumatic because it's like whoa yeah strange from these people your whole life and now you're meeting and then to be able to take all of those feelings and go back to your friends and say oh my gosh like help and then for them to say oh my gosh well this is what I did to get through it or or maybe they don't even say that maybe they're just there for you and their presence of, of that understanding is just what I longed for uh, uh so it sounds like the friends you made on the trip, they really kind of helped become your community, your support community when it came to like adoption questions and topics. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, thank you. That that's helpful. I'm in the future. I'm trying to figure out like like I mentioned support systems for adoption for adoptees since they're kind of all over the place everywhere. So I find this very fascinating. Definitely, it's and they still um they still do cultural trips out to uh, other countries like South Korea and oh. uh, I mean they go everywhere that's just to name one um, but they also do it for adults too so they take kids you know and with their yeah. family I also saw before COVID um, I was actually on their board 
So that's oh. why I'm just kind of like, why am I blanking on their name? It's, <laughs> it's the family, family ties. Um, but, oh my gosh, it's actually going to like bother me. I feel like I'm disrespecting them by like not even knowing. So let me just really quickly like look this up so I don't. Yeah, I'd love to hear the organization maybe get connected later. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So the name now is Adoptive Family Travel, the Ties Program. Adoptive Family Travels. Thank you. Yeah. And um, they had just started doing, a, oh, cool. I just saw that they have like Asian adoptees adopting mentorship program. Mentorship. Hey, that could be very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have like a bunch of birth trips. Um, birth country trips and they they had recently were setting up ones for adults um and they also had scholarships which was really cool because I was reading applications coming in um and we were kind of handing out scholarships and so being on the board just kind of going through that process was really cool too to see that people maybe didn't have the funds or maybe didn't want to as a kid and now they're older and they're like oh my gosh I really I think I missed out and them being able to give people the opportunity to go wow I, I definitely that sounds fantastic I I I need to look into this later. Thank yeah. you for mentioning that. Wow. Um, to cycle back a little bit, but that is still really awesome. I kind of am curious. Um, so now that I kind of have a, a better picture of what it was like for you growing up, I want to talk more a little bit about um, your racial ethnic identity and what it means for you. So when you were a kid, you said that you kind of received some questions from other people about like, why are your parents white when you're brown and stuff like that? How did your adoptive family members kind of talk to you at all, if at all, about how other people may perceive or respond to you, um, to respond to you being in different ways than the rest of your family? I think um, my mom has always been very protective, very, very, very protective, um, mm -hmm. where <laughs> she kind of, she kind of have like, um, I think what I needed at the time was something to be like, oh, like, this is how maybe you should deal with it or something. And she was always very like, this is what we need to say, or this is what we need to do and kind of be on the edge and um, which kind of uh, brought that to me. So kind of created mm -hmm. almost a negative experience of trying to, even though she was helping me. So it's so hard. Um, she's helping me in the best way she knew. Yeah. Um, my dad, I think he didn't really, he's like, oh, I'll just get over it kind of thing. Mm -hmm kind of understood uh those questions and so my mom was I think maybe a little bit more understanding of those um mm. but it's kind of hard too because she would make comments as well such as like oh but I know she was helping so it's it sounds so bad but like and I, and I do kind of feel a, a lot of guilt sometimes when I talk about my uh adoptive family like negatively about them because mm. I make like, my dad just this abusive like hard head um but he's literally like the most generous like loving kind yeah has just dealt with so many hardships in his life that it comes out at not good times going back to not being able to control motion so it like I'm like torn sometimes yeah I think uh it's definitely I didn't I don't think it happened enough my mom would say like oh I, I wish I had nice brown beautiful tan skin like you I have to go out and tan and blah 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 and I'd be like that's so mean but I didn't even know that it was mean I just felt like that's a weird thing to say or she'd say um you have the most like beautiful thick hair I wish I had that but you know when you're a kid and people are kind of pointing things out to you that aren't the same as yeah. your 
just secretly want to be like your parents. So having nice, thick black hair and dark skin, you just, you're just like, I don't even necessarily want that. I just want to be not questioned or have to answer questions sometimes. Um, yeah. I don't I don't mind anymore like it's kind of like a free-for-all whatever anybody asks I'm totally down to answer but back then I think I just didn't have the inner confidence to kind of get me by yeah thank you for answering that so you mentioned that your mom kind of like she felt very protective which makes sense she's your mom um and she would kind of like say that you had to say this can you go a little bit more into that like when someone started asking you about your adoption and your race and everything did your mom like say you have to answer a specific way like can you tell me a bit more yeah I think it wasn't um like maybe it wasn't like saying you need to do this but Mm -hmm. it was like giving me like things to say without maybe helping me explore it so Mm -hmm it would be like more like comebacks like if somebody talks about you being adopted you say this you could you could say this um whether or not like I believed it or not to be true I didn't really have a chance to explore that it's like somebody just giving you a book and you reading it but not understanding any of the words you're just like okay well this is what I read and I'm gonna write a paper about it but I don't I didn't really learn anything or understand it because I didn't know the definitions to the words yeah. So kind of that makes any sense. You know, she just gave me these things to say, but we didn't really like go in depth and explore kind of the meanings or maybe just what I needed to understand more about myself. But it's I mean, that's like a that's so hard, I think, to to even understand yourself, even as an adult and yeah. to process what you need, let alone have your parents try to understand what they need and help you get what you need. So, yeah. And it's difficult because there doesn't doesn't seem to be a lot of training for parents on how to have these conversations and how to yeah. respond. Yeah, and especially because um, I feel like there should be multiple trainings, such as for kids who maybe understand they're adopted and are okay with it, or for kids who understand they're adopted and like hate it and are having behavioral problems or for kids who literally wish they were not adopted and are not transitioning well into the space of of just life. Yeah, just maybe even, I'm sure even more than that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it, even if there was a class, I don't think there's like a one fit, you know, one thing that fits everybody's situation. I think how people deal with it is really hard. The spectrum of that is really great. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I didn't think about like the multiple trainings depending on where the child's at in their own kind of exploration of it. That's a good point. Yeah, and even for people who haven't met their birth families or who people who don't want to meet their birth families, because I think a lot of people force that on their kids too. They're like, oh, wouldn't you, aren't you curious? Or wouldn't you want to know? And it's like, some people don't care. Some people are like, well, no, I'm here now. And like that person gave me up. So that door has been closed. And some people are like, no, like, let me open that door and dig deep and, and like base my whole life around it, which is okay too. But I think, yeah, conversations sometimes need to be had and different responses or questions. Yeah, definitely. So when you were going up, you said that you you could, blah, you could go to your mom and ask basically any questions you wanted about anything. 
Um, were there any other ways you kind of learned about Peru and adoption? Like, did were, were there any like books you had access to, or did you see yourself kind of represented in the media or anything like that? Definitely not represented anywhere. Or I know my mom had adoption books that she read me, so I kind of grew up understanding. I never was like, "Wait, I'm adopted." <laughs> um, I knew I was. Not yeah, not anything other than that, I suppose, were really kind of at my disposal. And also just as a kid too, I just was very anti everything, my culture. My mom had tried to get me to go to La Semana, that camp for a long time. And I was just like, no, I refuse. My dad really wanted me to be in Spanish and learn Spanish. And I completely was like, no, that's like such a waste of time. I don't want, I don't want to be like my family. I don't want to you know, have that kind of connection in that way. Yeah. So I think it was more, there might've been a lot of more opportunities, but I was just very rebellious and very okay. like, I going through that mental path, I was just like, wanted to block it off all the time. And now I'm kind of, okay, like it sucks. It's so treacherous and like sticky and crazy, but like, we have to go down that path to understand like why we are the way we are. Yeah. So it didn't sound it doesn't sound like you kind of explored all that until you were older and after you went to the trip to Peru. Yeah, absolutely. I think after that I realized that I'm missing out on so many things and so many things that kind of make me me, such as like why am I short? Um, why do I like certain things versus other things? Or, you know, those things that you can kind of only go back to your culture to kind of find out. Yeah. Thank you. So if we could just reuse that magic wand idea, if a family had adopted a child of another race in an ideal world where there was not a logistics or resource problem, how would you want that adoptive family to support their child? Like, what would you want them to do or not to do? What are some things they should have known ahead of time? Hmm. I would say just that's really hard. It's like one of those questions where it's like, um, I guess I could just think of, it's interesting because having Maya, um, Sam's daughter, it's been really tricky because it's like, she's not my like blood daughter, but then mm -hmm. it always reminded me in the beginning too, like you're adopted. Those, your parents are not your blood parents. So yeah. it's, but we look kind of the same. So that's not necessarily a, a factor in it but what I would say is probably just maybe be a part of support groups led by maybe an adoptee uh, but see that's so tricky because like I said so many adoptees like don't want don't like being adopted and it sucks because I wouldn't want somebody to go to like a support group and, and like the support group to be like, oh, I hate being adopted. It's the worst thing ever. And then the parents be like, oh my God, I don't think I should do it because I do believe like that um, some people really genuinely get another, like a second chance at life. So yeah, necessarily no, but maybe like listening, like immersing, immersing themselves into like maybe podcasts or videos or research studies or maybe having like conversations with adoptees um, because I guess all all sides are valid and it's it's good to hear and understand like maybe what um what an adult adoptee thinks now um and just kind of getting that experience maybe 
that's that's the number one thing I would honestly say is that I hope that they are if they're going in to adopt somebody that they have healed all of their childhood trauma before they adopt a child who is going to come with a massive most likely a massive amount of trauma because even just being taken from your mom as a baby and even though you're going to another mom that's obviously like a giant separation thing in our our minds our bodies our soul so I think that going into a family who still has like a lot of like like I said trauma or childhood trauma that's really detrimental to that child and I just hope that they have done some like serious healing uh before they welcome an adoptee into their life yeah I really like what your idea of having like adult adoptees who have already been through the journey talking to prospective parents like for instance if I may it sounds like you had a lot of turmoil about like figuring out who you were how you wanted your adoptive and both families kind of coalesce but now as an adult you feel like a lot you have the benefit of hindsight and like I feel like you would have a lot of valuable insight to give to a family who was thinking of adopting kid of like here's the great part about being adopted here's like the things I wish my family might have done a little bit differently you know or had come had the tools to address so nice um so this is specifically uh, about siblings can you think anything families should do intentionally if they are going to raise siblings adoptive biological or whatnot together like since your brother is biologically your parents and you you were adopted do you think they should have done anything differently to kind of help you to bond or talk to each other hmm. what they could have done differently um, yeah to kind of foster a positive relationship yeah I think maybe just have maybe just be able to we're always like super chaotic so like we never we tried to have family dinners, but like one person would be eating this or one person had already eaten earlier. So they're not hungry. So maybe just try to create some kind of like, maybe even once a week, a structure of check-ins like, Hey, how was your week? Like, let's all talk about our week or some things that we're dealing with or some highs and some lows to just kind of get that conversation going to mm. help learn yeah. how to talk together and learn how to communicate and in a positive way and not just you know if there's something good or bad to try to criticize I think um that was a big thing in my life too is uh growing up there's a lot of uh criticizing a lot and it wasn't for the sake of like you're not good enough uh but as a child that's kind of how you take it yeah especially a child who has like no self-confidence so I think maybe just trying to structure it a little bit better and just saying, okay, like I'm telling you this because I really love you and I don't want you to make the same mistakes. Yeah. Kind of, just my mom always said growing up, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. That's part of the truth for most things. So was it, just to clarify, was it your brother and you criticizing each other or your parents? Or does it just like the whole family culture um, kind of emphasized that? Yeah, I think it was just the whole family culture. Um, my dad is very protective as well. And he um, was raised in a not so good neighborhood and experienced a lot of things like having a lot of people 
rob him at gunpoint, um, oh. deal with gangs and deal with a lot of violence as a kid. So I think as an adult, he's trying to teach his kids not to go through the same things and or to be kind of weary of these things. So instead of maybe if we come home and say that we did this, maybe it wasn't like, oh, maybe next time you should do it a little differently. It was more like, oh, don't do that kind of thing. Um, but just a little bit harsher. Like I said, I think me and my brother are very, very emotional and very like delicate and we take things so personal. So it's really hard for us to differentiate as like that, an attack on my life or are they trying to help me? And looking back, I'm like, it was just all love. It was all love. They were just really trying to help although they might have been like helicopter parents sometimes they're just really trying to protect us and help us kind of get through things that they really wish that they didn't go through yeah and okay thanks for answering that so it sounds like your brother and you kind of like out of um kind of led led parallel lives and that you guys were like in each other's spheres but never really quite connecting as much and you're saying that you if I'm understand correctly what you're saying is kind of like is is that you had a bit more structure to bring you two closer together when you were growing up is that right yeah yeah definitely I think definitely like definitely parallel lives like we were we went through the same things and so I think like where he is right now in his life is exactly where I was when I was his age. And it's just like this, our parents, I think helped us so much, like got us out of so many things that you get to an age and you're like, wait, now I actually have to do these things for myself and learn this way. And I don't even know how to do this. And so you just become so like little because you're just like, I don't know how to do anything. I haven't accomplished anything. Um, and you just don't realize like all the crazy things you've gone through and where you are now and the things that you've had to endure and get through yeah. um giving yourself enough credit I suppose okay thank you for answering um last question I know we are nearing the end of the time um I believe I asked everything this is really nice everything that was particularly important yay um since we're getting since we're wrapping up I kind of have a broad question for you so feel free to take it like however you want I'm just interested in whatever you're thinking about so now that we've kind of talked about this how do you feel about adoption now like the process of it the experience of adoptees the experience of adoption like as an organization like can you just if you had to tell someone about your thoughts on adoption like how would you summarize that and again, very broad, feel free to take it in any direction. Yeah, when you're talking, I just remembered that um, when I was younger, I did like a 15 page paper on adoption and like the process of adoption. So I thought you were gonna ask me that. I was like, whoa, but I was like, whoa, I can't remember. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> um, because I guess it gave me a different perspective on the, the parent side and the things that yeah. they have to go through. Um, if I were to sit down and talk to somebody about like my experience of being adopted, I would just say that what I usually just tell people is um, I was adopted as a baby mm -hmm. and I always knew I was adopted and I was raised in a suburb town in Minnesota, suburb mm -hmm. Minnesota, and uh, that I was kind of a, a crazy emotional hothead growing up and then, you know, when I got jobs and things, I used being adopted to my advantage. Yeah. Um, I, my accent isn't, it's a, 
a lot of people say it's a Minnesota accent, but it's also white. And I don't have that a heavy um, Hispanic, uh, uh, you know, like Spanish accent. So it's really helped me get to where I am now because I know I've gotten jobs because of being like a certain color. Um, I was actually told I was like a, a color higher one time. And although it's not fun to hear things like that, you just have to learn to take these things and use them to your advantage because we're all going through a lot of things. And the things that you do have, like the cool, the cool thing about like being adopted is to me as like when I walk into a room and it's with non-adoptees and people are asking about yourself, you're like, oh yeah, one cool thing about me is like I was adopted and I met my birth family and you just get to have this like conversation. Not everybody's super open about it, but it just, yeah. it's just, and this might be really cheesy, but it just kind of makes me like stand out or feel special in that kind of way to be able to say like, whoa, I went through this massive like kind of ball of fire and um, I've kind of been able to like cultivate it now. Those, those feelings and emotions like never really went, they're not going anywhere. They're just mm-hmm. me, cultivated and I'm able to kind of, structure them to my own liking when when I need them to be structured and I think that uh that, that's kind of like a superpower that is pretty cool so it sounds like you've your feelings about adoption are more positive nowadays oh yeah definitely definitely a lot more positive I think then it's it's really hard to be around a lot of adoptees that um where it's negative um mm-hmm. but I also have to step back and realize that they didn't have the same raising or like upbringing that I did. They might have, their adoptive parents might've been horrible, like tenfold um, yeah. in other ways as well. Like, so I can't, it, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing when you're talking to adoptees because some people are like, I, I hate it. I hate everything about it. And I'm curious to think, um, do you hate that? Do you hate being adopted because, um, you know, your experience with your adoptive family wasn't a, a, a good one? Or do you just like hate it in general and you wish you were there? And yeah. if so, if you were there and you're an adult now, like kind of what's stopping you um, is my question is like, maybe maybe it's financially driven, maybe it's, you know, a fear, but I definitely think everybody should uh, at least go and visit, visit their country, birth country once to kind of explore because from my perspective, uh, being like a very American perspective is, uh, when I went down to live with my birth family, I first or second day I was like, no, like I can't live here like this. I'm like a spoiled brat. I like compared to them, you know, it's my family didn't have like they had uh, dirt floors, they had chickens running around, um, wasn't necessarily like sanitary. Uh, the first time I went, they didn't have like a fridge or a microwave or a washing machine or anything like that that you know you're used to, so. I think a lot of people in their head, it's very much like my life would be so different, like being there and it would be, it would be night and day different. Um, you might have been a, like a child slave, like, you know, like the possibilities are like limitless and endless. Um, so I think it's hard for people to say like, my life would have been better. Yeah. But I should go in it and try to experience it and, and kind of immerse themselves and just, just to explore and see maybe if their feelings change or not. And if, they do want to go down there I say do it I say just make that jump and live it out see how it goes you only live once 
So um, now that the interview is kind of coming to a close, is there anything you want to talk about that you thought I'd ask but didn't or anything you still um, like anything you want to share? Hmm. I guess I would say um, the one thing I wish somebody told me as a kid growing up is that you can look everywhere, everywhere. You can look into movies and books and you can look into your friends and your family to try to find your identity and who you are. And you can have massive breakdowns and uncontrolled like spats of finding this identity, but you ultimately have the control to do whatever you want, to be whoever you want. And that for a long time, I had adoption kind of like hover over me and be this like questioning aspect of like who I am. And it still does from time to time because, you know, I don't feel like I necessarily get along with a specific group, but I get along with my group, you know, like my family, like Sam and Maya, like that's my core for people to find their core, but also for people to know that like you can, your mind is like, a, is, is your biggest superpower. And as long as you know that it's possible to get through like these things, like it's totally possible. And it's totally okay to, to explore whatever realm you need to explore to kind of get through. But you ultimately have to put in work to <clears throat> find out who you are. Like you have to put in all of that work to build this identity that you wanna be because you could pretend to be somebody else um, for other people, but it, it'll only last so long until you reach that point and you're like, whoa, yeah. I have an identity and I don't even know who I am. I'm just who I am based on who I think other people want me to be. And just, I guess the last thing I would say is just find people who make you feel free to be able to, that's so cheesy, it's free to be able to be who you wanna be. But I think sometimes we surround ourselves with people who are constantly like, why do you do that? Or why do you think like this? Or, you know, that's just be around people who are open. People who also push you, I think, and ask those, ask good critical questions about yourself to help you learn. Uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. So it sounds like that self-development and community aspect is really important to you. Yeah, definitely find community in your own way. It doesn't, you don't need to like get along with other adoptees or other like brown people. It's your community is like exactly who you need it to be in that moment, who you want it to be. Found, found family. Yes, absolutely found. As chaotic as it may be, absolutely found. Exactly. Thank you so, like, I cannot express how lovely it has been talking to you. And now that the interview is officially over, your hair looks stunning, by the way. Like, it looks really cool. Like, I tried a pixie cut like that. I looked so poofy. It was ridiculous. You look really nice and put together. And if I may say, a little badass. So. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, I was very, I did it. And then I walked in. I didn't tell Sam or anybody that I did it. And I just, like, walked in the room and he's like, oh. and um. Oreo, my dog, didn't even recognize me. He, I came in the door and he was just like, usually comes running in and like sniffing and jumping, but he just like wouldn't even come. And I was like, well, that's crazy. But I do appreciate the feedback. Absolutely. I was like, looks really good. Anyways, 
Thank you again. Um, it might take me a little bit to, I know I said um, on the consent forms that you will receive as compensation a summary of my findings. It will take me a little bit to gather those findings. So just heads up on that. But if you have any questions and need anything from me in the future, like please, we are now networked and connected and I would love to help out however I can. So thank you. I do have um, for later a one-page just demographic questionnaire, just going over the bare basics, probably will take like five, max 10 minutes to do. If I could just email that to you later. Definitely. And awesome. I know I need to have Sam do the survey. And then was it tomorrow that he was going to do the interview? I can't remember when I had said. The survey, I thought, I believe we have Sam scheduled for July 1st. July 1st. Oh, okay. That's yes, that's what I have on my date on Saturday because I know he needed weekend. So July first at eleven a.m. my time, so that'd be two p.m. your time again. I think. So let me just put that down again. Sam, interview. Cool. Yeah, and if you ever need anything else, like any more interviews or need to ask follow up questions or whatever you need, like we're always here. We're. we're I appreciate always. that. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for being so patient with me because this is actually like, this has been my first official interview and little nerve wracking, but you are like the most, I think, gracious beginner person I could have had. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. And um, I know you have a dance recital to go to, so I'm not going to take up any more of your time, but thank you again. Please let me know if you have any follow-ups and I'll send this recording to you right after it's done downloading and stuff. No rush, don't worry about it. Cool. Okay. Bye.